Hi there. I'm very excited about my guest, but before I get to my guest, I have a little message from our sponsor. Hi guys, when I started homeschooling my kids, I had to teach, I decided to teach seventh grade and we covered logical fallacies. This is really important stuff for your seventh grade or 12 year old and up. And Tuttle Twins has these great books. This one's my favorite. Um, they're the guidebooks and they cover things like beware your bias. This is logical fallacies. My favorite is sunk cost. This is why you shouldn't send your kids to school. Get this book, the Tuttle Twins books. Click the link below. You will love these books for your 12 and up year olds. And welcome to the Sam Sorbo Show. My guest joining me, I have two right now. The first one is Illinois Suburban Reverend Stephen Lee. And he has been recently indicted along with Trump in the great state of Georgia. He joins us now to update us on that and talk about wh why he was in Georgia and a little bit about um, that that stuff. But really to talk about the case is his lawyer, who is attorney David Shostakis, who joins us to talk about all the details of that case to keep you guys sort of up to date on what's going on. This seems to be a bit of a miscarriage of justice, perhaps. We will see uh, talking to these two gentlemen. So gentlemen, welcome to the program. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam, for having us. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. And uh, Pastor Lee, I understand that you've been serving in a church in Chicago area or Illinois for the past three and a half years, but you are a retired uh, pastor, correct? Lutheran? Yes, I'm a retired uh, Lutheran pastor, but serving in a vacancy position at a church in a suburban uh, area of Chicago. Yeah. And your church apparently adores you because they rushed to your defense when you were indicted and figured out how to raise enough money for the 10% bond to get you released on bail, correct? Well, my ch my church, my people at this little church have been very, very supportive. Um, and uh, and uh, I think the, the love is mutual, shall we say? Nice. Um, it's funny because I heard a story uh, or I saw a story in the news that there was a Christian group that had come out uh, attacking you and saying that you shouldn't be pastoring a church. And they were trying to raise uh, uh, um signatures on a petition to get you booted out so that obviously didn't come from your church well it's not their call is it right <laughs> i suppose that was my point you know I, mean, uh, I think my church is the one to make that decision and they've been 100 percent behind me so yeah right i think that's it's their call and the lord's call through them of course so let's talk to uh attorney your attorney who's representing you in this matter, because he has some very strong opinions about the uh, how justice is being meted out these days. Um, why don't you weigh in and tell us a little bit about the case, David, and uh, where it stands today? Happy to, Sam. Uh, I think it's important for us to, relative to Reverend Lee, uh, to back up a little bit. Uh, of course, the indictments were issued on August 14th, but uh, frankly, his first contact uh, with the Fulton County Grand Jury, Special Purpose Grand Jury, was in November of uh, 2022. And in November of 2022, they sent a uh, subpoena to try and compel his testimony before the grand jury in uh, in Georgia. And people should know that a the authority of a grand jury to compel someone's testimony ends at the borders of the state. And so they have to get the cooperation of a judge or the uh, of the state where the person who testimony they want to have lives. 
And so Georgia sent a, sent a subpoena out to Kendall County, Illinois, which is uh, where, where Reverend Lee lives. And we had three hearings in Kendall County on the Georgia effort to compel his uh, presence in, uh, in Georgia. And the judge in Kendall County, at the end of those three hearings, actually made a specific judicial finding that they had not even presented enough evidence for uh, Reverend Lee to be considered a material witness in the case in Georgia. And he also made a, he also made the offer to them that if they wanted an additional 30 days to present more evidence to uh, indicate to him that he was a valuable and important witness, they could have that. Uh, the 30 days came and went. They never provided any more information. Uh, they never made any effort to con contact me, and I was now his counsel of record in that case in, uh, in Kendall County. They never made any effort to con contact Kendall County or Reverend Lee. So when uh, when we woke up on the, on the 15th of uh, August to find that he was indicted in this group, um, we were actually astounded and astonished because, the, like I said, they hadn't even presented enough evidence here in Illinois that he should be a witness, let alone a defendant. I think that's uh, important for people to know that they did not make that effort. And, uh, and the only judicial finding outside of the uh, courts in Georgia said he's not even a witness, let alone a defendant. So I, th I think people should know that. So you're saying that he's not, a, he, he won't be asked to testify as a witness, but being indicted uh, implies what then? If he, if, if well, he now he's accused of a crime. Right. Okay. And, and I was, and I, of course I was a prosecutor at one time in my life and certainly we would make every effort to, uh, talk to, uh, talk to a potential, uh, potential defendants or their counsel to see if we could get a statement from them. They never did that. They never, uh, so I'm, that's a, that's a failure on, on part of the investigation to begin with. Okay. That so they, in, you know, in essence, you're saying he's indicted in absentia or, you know, because they're, they're not even bothering to check. They're just throwing his name into the, into the basket, so to speak. I think that's a good way to put it. Nobody's uh, nobody's actually uh, put it in those terms prior to this, Sam, but that's a good way to put that. Uh, so yeah, no, they for? never talked to him. They never made an effort. Right. What is, what is he indicted for? Okay. Well, as you mentioned, it's a indictment in, in Georgia, in Fulton County, Georgia, that involves uh, President Trump and 18 other individuals. There are uh, what they call 161 overt acts in this uh, RICO case. And RICO stands for Racketeer Influenced uh, Corrupt Organization. And uh, the allegation is that the whole 19 were involved in a criminal enterprise to illegally overturn the uh, 2020 presidential election. And I, and I let people think about this for a moment. This is a Fulton County, Georgia, local district attorney who's claiming jurisdiction over the United States of America, uh, for starters, how, because she's how not could they, How could I'm sorry to interrupt, but how could how could he be trying to overturn the election? I wouldn't know where to start if I were going to try to overturn an election two years after the election. He, your guess is as good as my. This is the kind of thing that we have to defend. Uh, you know, this is this is what we have to defend. Uh, they, uh, they're saying that President Trump and oh, by the way, uh, Reverend Lee, he's never met President Trump. He doesn't know President Trump. To the best of my knowledge, he's never been in the same room with him or uh, Mayor Giuliani or Jenny, Jenna Ellis or uh, Mark Meadows or any of the uh, large uh, big names that uh, that are involved in this. He's never had any contact with any of those people. Um, prior to or even since uh, this uh, this thing has happened. And yet they're saying he's part of a conspiracy 
involving them. And so there's this overriding uh, RICO indictment that involves all 19 of the folks. And then, by the way, the penalty on that is, uh, for conviction on that, is a mandatory minimum five years in the Georgia State Prison. It is not, um, there's no home confinement, there's no probation, there's no uh, community service. It's mandatory minimum five years and up to 20 uh, years in the Georgia State Prison for that charge. Now, there's, uh, they charged irreverently with four other uh, alleged crimes within the uh, within the RICO case. Those four other crimes include, uh, he knocked on two doors. They say that knocking on these doors were um, an effort to intimidate a uh, witness and um, served, uh, alleged, uh, obtained false testimony from an election worker. And um, and two phone calls. They said he was on. He knocked two doors, and they said he uh, was participant in two phone calls. And the overall part of his part in this was to uh, change the uh, change the testimony of um, of a witness and an election worker. And of course, uh, I would uh, the election worker is the um, well known uh, Ruby Freeman, uh, who was uh, involved in uh, pulling those uh, pulling those. Ballots out from underneath the table at the uh, at the Allstate Center in Atlanta in the uh, after everybody left the room and run ballots and, and that's what that story is all about. Uh, and um, Reverend Lee's never even spoken to Ruby Freeman. Uh, he's never had any contact with her, and yet uh, they're saying that he's part and parcel of this overall conspiracy. Uh, and so uh, it's uh, we're kind of like I said, we were astounded in the first place. But I would also call everybody's attention that. Not only is this astounding, uh, the uh, indictment of Reverend Lee, they've indicted lawyers in this case for giving legal advice. They've indicted people for lobbying legislatures. Uh, they've indicted people for giving speeches and making tweets. All of these things that they're indicted for, every one of them, there's five elements of the First Amendment. First Amendment, of course, protects religion and speech and press and assembly, and right to petition the government for address of grievances. Each and every one of those uh, those protections of the First Amendment is conduct that has been uh, alleged to be illegal by the uh, Georgia uh, state prosecutor, uh, Fannie Willis. And uh, so if people the people that are cheering this on, uh, whatever they may may or may not like about President Trump, they do not, do not understand that their own personal civil rights are under attack. If this, uh, if this case were to have any success whatsoever, America will be diminished because of that. What's next in the case? This uh, there's uh, been a couple of people, uh, Sidney Powell and uh, another attorney by the name of uh, Mr. Cheesebrook, that have uh, demanded a speedy trial under Georgia state law. The trials have been set for them, or for them for October 23rd. We anticipate this week uh, that Fannie Willis is trying to see, trying to make it so that all the defendants have to be tried at the same time. We, among others. We have local counsel in Georgia that, that we're working with, and we, among others, will be filing uh, motions to sever um, Reverend Lee's case from those uh, from the case of um, Sidney Powell and uh, Mr. Cheesebro, and uh, see to it that uh, we have the appropriate time to uh, go through the uh, go through the discovery. They told that they told my local counsel, uh, whose name is David Alls, and we're happy to have him. Just tremendous, but they said that he needed to bring a uh, memory device capable of downloading three terabytes, three terabytes of information for us to uh, pour through as part of the discovery. And so uh, there's no way that we could um, effectively assist uh, Reverend Lee as counsel 
um, between now and October 23rd, when, uh, because that's millions of pages of documents. Yeah, isn't that yeah. basically a, a, a way of sort of um, burying you under an avalanche? Absolutely. That's uh, that's exactly right. Because, How can you uh, possibly find what the evidence they, they are claiming that they have against you? How can you possibly sift through that much data and find what it is that you're supposed to defend against? Right. Yeah. No. That that's exactly right. Well, that's that's the that's the point of what they're doing. They put you uh, under that avalanche of data, and then uh, and then challenge you to find what evidence is actually against you. And then in the meantime, of course, uh, we wind up we're working on putting together our own witness lists, our own presentation uh, in rebuttal to that. So we have to find out what it is that they they're actually utilizing to um, prosecute these crimes, and then build a defense upon that. So first of all, you got to find it. And then second of all, you got to put together your response to it. Uh, and even though it sounds silly, because for Reverend Lee in particular, it sounds silly knocking on a couple of doors and being on a couple of phone calls because of the potential horrible penalty of five years in a Georgia state prison. Uh, you have to take everything extraordinarily serious. Yes. Yes. So, Reverend Lee, let's turn back to you for a minute. I understand that you uh, ministered uh, during the Columbine crisis, the, the shooting at Columbine. You were at 9-11, uh, Hurricane Katrina. Talk to me about your work uh, ministering in tragic situations. Well, um, in part because of my background in law enforcement uh, out in California, and I was both a uh, local officer um and uh, also a federal uh, special agent with what was then called NIS, now it's called NCIS. Um, and going to seminary, leaving NCIS in 1988 and going to seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, I served uh, as, for instance, as a Fort Wayne police chaplain. In fact, I've been in, in touch and gonna be visiting this week with uh, retired Fort Wayne police chief, uh, Neil Moore, and have been in touch with one of the officers that I used to ride along with. In fact, I talked to him this morning and we were uh, reminiscing about being in a foot pursuit, uh, vehicle pursuit of an armed robbery suspect uh, back in those days. So I served as a chaplain for them while I was going to seminary and uh, wrote my master's thesis on chaplaincy and then uh, have been a chaplain ever since, uh, in and out. Uh, been not quite so active in more recent years, but uh, as part of that, um, I've responded to many what are called major incidents of national significance. Uh, Columbine was the first, and then uh, things like Ground Zero, a lot of wildfires, hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, tsunami in, um, in American Samoa, Haiti, earthquake, uh, lots of shootings, too many to count. Uh, I've lost track of all the ones. Officers been shot, killed in the line of duty. Um, uh, just uh, dozens and dozens of, of really serious events. Uh, more recently, 2017, I think I did four or five deployments that year, including the three hurricanes, including Harvey, and then the hotel shooting in Vegas, at Mandalay Bay, helping the Bureau, and then uh, also uh, uh, wildfires. Yeah. So, so you have a history of going to scenes of tragedy, but and you... Can I ask if you went to Georgia? Is that, should I talk to David about that? You, okay. You should, yeah, you should probably talk Everybody, to Everybody, he, he was, he was in, he was in Georgia. Nobody denies that he went to Georgia. Okay. Um, but I would suggest to you, Sam, that uh, his history of being in places where um, there's uh, chaos in America 
would uh, would would suggest to uh, folks that this is among the reasons that he was in Georgia because there was actually some chaos in America uh, going on in Georgia at that particular point in time. And he's responded to those kinds of circumstances for the last almost 30 years. So it's not unusual that um, Reverend Lee would be in Georgia, you know, at these um, particular points in time. So take me back to Columbine. When you when you responded to Columbine, you were in uniform at that point? Uh, no, I was uh, actually uh, pastoring a church in Colorado Springs and also doing my chaplaincy. Um, and as part of this uh, nonprofit uh, organization I set up, um, uh, I also served as Colorado Springs police chaplain and also a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms chaplain. And when Columbine happened, of course, it was around lunchtime. And um, I happened to flip on the radio and heard about a shooting at a high school. And I was, I was concerned because I had two kids in high school in Colorado Springs and it was a local station. And I called Colorado Springs police uh, uh, watch commander, and he said, no, it's not in Colorado Springs. It's up in a town called Littleton up in the Denver suburb at, at a school called Columbine. And um, I knew because, especially because of my ATF chaplaincy, that I would uh, most likely be the closest ATF chaplain, and they would be involved because it involved firearms. And so I headed up right away. And in the, you know, when I was driving up there, I called out to peer support unit out in Washington, D.C. at ATF. And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, going up, it was 45 minutes away from where we lived. And they said, uh, you're our closest chaplain. You'll be our lead chaplain up there. And so that uh, began the process. When I got on up there, of course, it was a madhouse. Um, and it was still going on in terms of evacuating uh, students and teachers. Uh, there were ambulances, fire trucks, uh, police vehicles, helicopters, all kinds of stuff up there. I came in on the Pierce Street side of the school and um, and um, uh, went to the, uh, the perimeter uh, that was being manned by the officers. And I began a process of um, helping to shuttle the, the groups of uh, students and teachers back from the Pierce Street side, uh, back through a fence and over to Leewood Elementary School where these uh, uh, kids and, their, and the teachers would be reunited with their families. And that went on for quite a while. Um, and um, also had the opportunity to talk to a couple of officers that were deeply involved in this thing in the process. Um, and then later on, when everybody was evacuated and the incident was, was shutting down in terms of being in progress, um, I stayed around for the next two or three days and worked uh, with the forensic teams and eventually was invited into the library where so many of those students were killed and had a prayer in there uh, with the Colorado uh, forensic teams. And um, also the, uh, the Bureau folks uh, were working the cafeteria and uh, uh, worked with them. Uh, they did not have a chaplain on scene, so I was helping with them. And, and by God's grace and miracle, um, there was a, um, an explosive device that these boys had set and it failed to go off or it would have taken out a bunch of bureau agents and probably yours truly in the cafeteria. But uh, in the library, um, I, you know, we paused uh, before um, putting the uh, victims in the body bags. I was there and two other ATF chaplains that I requested were also there, uh, John South and Murray Fricky. And um, we, I had a prayer with the uh, workers there for the families and, and everybody concerned. And then we uh, respectfully um, 
uh, put the uh, the victims in the in the body bags and carry them out. It's it's an amazing thing to to me to be somebody who responds to crisis. Uh, it takes a it takes a special kind of person with a, a special kind of faith. So I'm going to ask you because to me. Columbine was a was a big turning point in the United States that we missed. And the reason I say that is because uh, one of the men whose son died during the shooting and he got news of the son's death via the newspaper because his son's body was on the front page of the newspaper. On the um, sidewalk outside the school, right? Correct. Right? Um, I knelt by that. I, I knelt by that body and had a prayer, because so, I wanted I wanted the families. Pardon me. I wanted the yeah. family to know that there was somebody there with their son. And so I I did. I knelt by that body and had a prayer for his family. So his father was interviewed and said that the two boys who shot up the school, one of them was wearing a Darwin T-shirt. And that he knew that he was sending his child into a school that didn't teach about God. And that that was his fault. Because when you, te when you teach children survival of the fittest, being the law of the land, and that is Darwinism, and that is what they teach, then there's no reason for them not to go and shoot up the school. In fact, there's a, there's a lot of reason for them to go and shoot up the schools. And since Columbine, of course, we've had a number of school shootings and we are seeing the degradation of our culture to the point where uh, what, what um, your attorney David has brought up is this idea that, you know, we, we want to persecute people and, and at the same time, we don't understand that we will lose our own rights by persecuting them and taking away their rights in a sense, right? So that's what your case represents is this, this idea that we've lost touch with what's really valuable. And um, I guess, I guess that's, that's my question to you is, did you put those pieces together way back then? Is that why you continue to Abs do this? Absolutely. Absolutely. When, when I was in the library, and waiting for the forensic teams to finish their work. I leaned back against a counter in the library and I was wearing um, uh, gloves. You, you wear gloves in a, in a scene like that. And I leaned back and I was feeling this gritty substance on the counter behind me. And uh, I thought, what's, what's this? And what it was, it was gunpowder residue. And then I looked at the ceiling in the library. It was a low ceiling, it wasn't a high ceiling. And I was thinking about what those boys did in that side, that library and the, the scene from hell, it must have been where you have this gun gunpowder residue everywhere. And I happened to look down on the counter there and I saw a book title and it's about World War Two. And it's uh, the name of the book is A Bridge Too Far. And I think there was even a movie made about that back in the 60s. And that's the the spiritual thought that I have is because of all these things, and you reference it very well, Sam, uh, if you have a if you have a contrast between Darwinism and and God and being accountable to nobody except yourself and your God versus being humble before the true God and listening to his voice 
to obey and trust him both. What kind of hell on earth are you going to have uh, with everybody being their own God versus the other one where, where people all acknowledge um, God and, and uh, are humble before him to obey him? And then you mentioned the T-shirts. Um, the two boys, of course, they shot and killed themselves in the library along with the victims uh, after they killed these kids. And they were off in a corner. And, and um, I told my two chaplains with me, I said, we're not going to touch those boys because what they did is evil. And there's there was there was problems in the aftermath. You know, people saying, well, they're victims, too. You know, and I think we have to we have to maintain clarity about what's evil and what's good. And so we wanted to not confuse that issue. The The coroner could take out those boys. That was their job. But I did see them. I did look at them because I wanted to see. Uh, what the face of evil looked like and how it was dressed. And um, they were wearing black t-shirts and apparently they'd gone to some t-shirt shop and had the word wrath, W-R-A-T-H, um, put on the front of these black t-shirts in bright red uh, lettering. And so what they're doing is they wanted to be very clear. If nobody else would grant them the title of being evil, they themselves were going to adopt that and say their wrath incarnated as part of what they were doing. And it was uh, it was a very uh, dark kind of uh, uh, evil uh, that I was witnessing there. And, and literally a chill ran through me on that. So, yeah, that's uh, what you're dealing. You, you nailed it. Uh, yeah. Yes. And it's um, to a certain degree, it's what you're dealing with right now uh and the the forces that are arrayed against you so i wish you great success in your campaign and i um and i will pray that your attorneys will find exactly what they need in that uh, avalanche of documents and uh and uh, determine a, a good path forward for you for this uh this tremendous really uh, the the question I, okay i have to ask one final question so i'll ask your attorney why why is this important? Why is what he did, what he what he allegedly did in Georgia, how is this worth the taxpayer's money to prosecute? Sam, I don't have an answer for you. I wish I did. Um, the um, Atlanta, of course, I'm in the Chicago area. We're in the Chicago area. Chicago is well known for these days for being a violent place. But the per capita um, murder rate in Fulton County, Georgia, it matches that of Chicago. And yet uh, they're taking uh, they're taking the efforts uh, of the uh, prosecutors and the investigators and, and turning them on to uh, seeing to it that uh, one particular man is uh, what they would call disqualified for running for uh, president of the United States uh, is uh, is beyond is beyond imagination that uh, that they are not prosecuting the actual evil that, that is uh, taking place in their in their jurisdiction. And yet, taking their uh, taking their efforts and putting it forth to uh, prosecute and drag in men like uh, heroes, actually an American hero, well as as, as Chaplain Lee is, because uh, he is not a criminal. He is an American hero and an unsung American hero because he's gone about this business for thirty years without without seeking any fame or fortune or reward for it. And yet, now America comes to know him as an accused uh, accused felon. Uh, in terms of overturning of federal election. And I suggest to you that perhaps maybe, maybe he's been chosen to um, 
face the face of evil in return for all that he's done in return of all the times that he's in fact faced that face of evil. And I will also mention uh, at the moment yeah. that yeah. Pastor Lee is not, uh, he's not a wealthy man. He's not made money doing what he's doing. It's been a life of service. And uh, there is a, uh, there is a fund and there's, they just opened uh, give, send, go for Pastor Lee uh, today. Uh, and I would hope that people will do it just as an example. We went down to Georgia for him to um, turn himself in and um, flew there and back in one day, $1,200 in airfare because we, you don't get a chance to, uh, you know, shop, uh, shop. You got to be there when the uh, judge says you got to be there. And so the expenses for, uh, for him are going to be uh, incredibly tremendous. And so I hope folks will look up uh, his give, send, go uh, uh, situation and, uh, and assist him because the, uh, the battle for him it's not just him. It's all of us. You know, that, that case in Georgia is for all of us. Sam, could yeah. I add something here, if I sure. may? Sure. Yeah. Um, and this is something I think I can appropriately say in the circumstance is that in a general sense, uh, I'm, I'm, I operate according to principle, not politics. Uh, I've had to be very careful about that in my life, both in law enforcement, but then also in the ministry. And so what I'm about is helping people. What I'm about is doing the right thing. What I'm about is the rule of law and being faithful in the ministry of the gospel and telling people about Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and sharing that hope with them. That's why I was involved in, for instance, recovering the cross at Ground Zero that's now part of the 9-11 Museum. These, this is who I am, and it, 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 I suppose it hurts uh, worst of all, to think that people would think differently about who I really am. But having said all of that, I trust God and his plan. And whatever that plan is, I don't trust circumstances. I trust the Lord. I love that. Uh, I will say that um, evil people think differently about evil. And so they will determine for themselves what they find to be evil, right? And what they find to be good. And unfortunately, we live in a we live in a society today where a lot of people uh, feel that they have the power to do so. Uh, so hopefully, uh, uh, my prayers are that you will prevail and that this will actually um, get dismissed before it even goes any further. Uh, I don't know if, that, if that's possible, but we'll put the Give, Send, Go link in the uh, description. It's been a pleasure speaking with both of you gentlemen. This is the Sam Sorbo Show. Thanks for watching.